0: So the only title I could come up for come up with for this one is This Will Destroy You Black Emperor. Cuz they both end in you. And yeah. I, I didn't really know what else to do.
1: You could say the the the, 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 the epic return of the Five Huffle podcast with a post rock special with a cherry on top. Are you the cherry? No. I'm, I'm just the cup. A John Miller cherry. Yeah. Oh, you're the cup that holds the the everything cup. together? I guess so. No, you're the cup. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the special.
0: Oh, you're also that sounds like the cherry. Unless there's like a secret special ingredient might in be it a that secret no one else knows on
1: top. about. We don't, we don't know. Actually, no, well, hmm. How about...
0: What if there's a cherry hidden in the middle of the ice cream and that's what you are? Yeah, I'm that. Like, there's the normal cherry on top, but then everyone's surprised because there's a secret cherry hidden in the middle of the ice cream. No. It has your face on it.
1: Okay. No. maybe. No, this, I like your, your initial uh, subtitle better.
0: <laughs> okay, I won't I won't put that whole dialogue we just no, had as the
1: title. You know, no, you put that whole dialogue in as a title.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I, I get it. You saying that you liked my original idea was part of the dialogue as the title.
1: That's the cherry.
0: That's... <laughs> I think that kind of wraps this up, then. I think we got it.
1: Yep. So, thank you for listening to Shuffle. Uh, I I think we
0: definitely nailed the post-rock genre.
1: Yep. We had a big peak in the middle there, and then it's a nice downward spiral right at the end. Slow burn. Slow burn.
0: All right. Welcome, everybody. I know it's been a while. Welcome back to Shuffle. Let's see if we can blow the dust off this podcast. Uh, This is episode 23.5, the post-rock special with our favorite guest john charles miller how are you today john charles miller
1: am i really your favorite guest
0: yeah (laughs) fuck
1: dominic and chance was okay (laughs) i suppose i've been on i've been on the most out of all your other special one-time what do you call them like special oh you're the
0: you're the temporary co-host temporary co-host yes and dominic
1: is the honorary special guest the perpetual Perpetual special guest. guest
0: We haven't said that in a while, though. Yeah, it's you, yeah. Chance, Max, and Dominic so far. Mm-hmm. Fuck Chance. And this is this is John's third time. Yeah. In the huff.
1: Third time in the huff, and I've been. This is my first special episode, though.
0: That usually, is true.
1: Usually every eleven episodes after my first appearance, so I should be yeah. I should be on for episode thirty-one. You <laughs> should be. That was well, un- and.
0: I should mention, so this is our second installment of our dive into a subgenre of sorts, the first one being the Vaporwave special. This special was recommended to us by John, I did. since he's a post-rockman.
1: I do love the post-rocks and the rocks of posts. Yeah. Why do they call so, it post-rock?
0: Uh, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> I, t- I took a couple notes on that.
1: All right, good. I'm glad you did some work here. Yeah, I did a little bit of research. So,
0: John, uh, what, I guess, just kind of a brief, what do you have, like, I guess, I don't know where I'm going with this. Do you have kind of like a little spiel, like, how'd you get into post-rock? What do you like about post-rock? What does post-rock mean to you? Not I have to go super in-depth, but just kind of your general take on the... On the genre,
1: I think um, my first memory of the post-rock genre, I do believe you introduced the, uh, the genre to me as a whole. I think we must have been at your house, um, but like one of my memories was like I think you were driving me home back in like. way back in high school like it was like like six in the morning we just like stayed up all night and you just played this like this like the song like I was just like like next to you in the car and I was just like looking out the window and I was just like the, the song I don't can't remember what it was I think it was a explosions in the sky song It might have been But I was like I was just watching Like the countryside Where the the roads go by And like the sun was rising And I'm like I'm just dead tired Because I can't remember What the fuck we were doing That night But uh, I think we were just Up all night long But like I just like Listened to the music And I was just like At peace And I was like I like this kind of music here
0: I think being totally Like brain dead and tired Is probably like The best way to first Take it in Because like You kind of just like Give your whole self up To the genre And it just like Takes you away
1: Yeah you kind of just like Lay back. It's kind of like floating in a pool. Like if you think like post-rock songs is like a big pool. Like you like 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 you just like just let yourself be washed away by the noises and the the details of the craft. So.
0: Yeah. If you fight it, you'll drown in it. But if you just give yourself to it, it'll just float you down into sonic bliss.
1: Yeah. You don't have to like analyze anything. You just enjoy the music. Oh. So.
0: Definitely. My history with post-rock, I guess I'd like to start this off by, I'd like to dedicate this podcast to Zach Rorta, or as John would like to call him,
1: Papa Roro.
0: There you go. (laughs) Uh, Since he was kind of my drug dealer into this genre, um, I definitely kind of dabbled into it. I I got into Sigur Rós pretty deep in high school. But then I remember... It was my freshman year of college, and I was watching the movie 28 Days Later, the zombie movie, by, uh, what's his fucking face, Boyle, Danny Boyle, Boyle. and there's, there's a part near the opening of the movie where the main character wakes up disoriented in a hospital and he has no idea that the zombie apocalypse has just happened and he's kind of frantically wandering around London just looking at all the devastation and the whole time there's this song that plays and it starts off kind of slow and it has some guitar and some strings and over the course of like 10 minutes it just builds and builds and builds and gets like super crazy intense I was like oh this thing's... What What the hell is this? This is awesome. And then I downloaded the 20 Days Later soundtrack, and that song was not on it. So then I looked it up, and I was like, what is this song? And I found out that it was by some band with a really weird name called Godspeed You, Black Emperor. And then I remember at the time, Zach Rorta and I were in this, this class called Ideas in Physics. <laughs> now, this was a class everyone had to take like a physics sciencey class for our liberal arts credits and this was a physics class that took all of the math out of it it was literally just ideas in physics it was for all of us art students and english students were like i like science but math scares me
1: (laughs) so it's all word-based problems
0: yeah it's pretty much just kind of like all hypotheticals and it's literally just the ideas of gravity and whatnot it it was it was a really enjoyable class actually but it was (laughs) physics light and zach and i were taking it together and i remember we were in class and i turned to him and i said zach because at Zach I knew had good taste in music And we talked about music a lot I'm like Zach have you ever heard of this band called like Godspeed you black emperor or something And Zach just got this Smile on his face he's like Have I got some shit to show you Jared And then he kinda He like gave me this flash drive With just you know godspeed and this will destroy you and the album leaf and silver mount zion and all mogway and all that shit and so he he was kind of like the the portal into that world for me so zach roda thank you very much this episode of this podcast would not exist without you
1: oh yeah that's a that's like a an epic flash drive
0: yeah that was that was a definitely a, a turning point in my life especially my musical life at least all right, so I guess before we get into this, two things. One, everyone, please make sure that you listen to the playlist that we will be discussing in today's episode. It's an, an hour long. a link to a Spotify and YouTube playlist for it in the description. And yes, I apologize. It is an hour long. We'll wait. But <laughs> are you or are you telling them to
1: wait? No, we'll wait for them.
0: Oh yeah, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll we got take- we got time. Yeah. So we got nothing but time. Yeah.
1: Go listen, and then come back.
0: <clears throat> Has it been an hour yet? I don't
1: know. Oh. Let's I give him like. Checking the clock. I'm just watching my watch here. Alright.
0: Okay. You any good video games lately?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Going back right. to the music. <laughs> yeah, so. I apologize for it being an hour, but as you'll learn, it kind of comes with the genre. Now, second, I'd like to just. Uh, start this off with a bit of a, a warning. I would like to state that I am no way claiming to be an expert or a historian of the post-rock genre. I am simply a fan. I want to share my thoughts and opinions about what it means to me. I'm sure that I didn't pick out the best five songs that exemplifies the genre. And I'm sure I'm going to get some of the facts wrong. So if I've enraged you with my decisions, please let me know. Let me know if there's better songs that I could have picked or if I got facts wrong. Because I love to learn. I love post-rock music. I want other people to love post-rock music too. So let's just get through this together. And now that I've apologized for ruining post-rock, let's Let's get into this. (laughs) So what is post-rock? Essentially post-rock music is rock instrumentation that disregards typical rock song structure. You know, it's mostly instrumental, it typically features quiet arpeggios around simple chord progressions that end up swelling to huge booming rousing crescendos. Fans liken the style to avant-garde with its use of soundscapes and some people compare it to like classical music. While people who don't like post rock will often just call it pretentious and bloated noodling, and that it's really simple and. My dad dumb. likes to
1: call it noise. <laughs> noise music? You listen to that noise music again? I'm like, no, Dad.
0: Maybe we should have him on the podcast. <laughs> we can have like a back and forth.
1: Yeah, he this is bullshit. <laughs> Play Rush. <laughs>
0: Actually, it's funny you should mention that because Rush will come up in my notes for this. Oh, cool. Just wait for it, though. All right. I there's, love the, Rush. there's the cherry. The cherry will be when I bring up Rush eventually. Yeah. So, the post rock sound incorporates characteristics from a variety of musical genres, including kraut rock, ambient music, prog rock, space rock, math rock, tape music, minimalist classical, British, IDM, jazz, dub, reggae, post punk, free jazz. You know, it, it takes little bits of everything and uh, the compositions often make use of repetition and musical motifs that are you know sprinkled with subtle change but they also have an extremely wide range of dynamics typically their lengthy instrumentals contain repetitive build ups of timbre dynamics and texture and vocals are often omitted from the songs, however, that does not necessarily mean that they're absent entirely, as I'm sure you've learned from the five songs that you just listened to. Um, when vocals are included, they're typically in a non-traditional way. Some post-rock bands employ vocals purely as an instrumental effort, as in just another instrument to blend in with the guitars and drums and keyboards. And When they are used, the lyrics are often like very quiet and maybe even droning or infrequently used, maybe sometimes hard to understand. And then in lieu of typical rock structures like a normal verse-chorus-verse form, post-rocks usually make greater use of soundscapes and long, drawn-out song structures rather than chorus-verse-chorus. But again, none of these rules Apply to every song. It's fluid. It changes. There's an exception to all of these rules. So, hopefully, that kind of gives you a bit of an idea of what the post-rock sound is. Is there anything you think I missed with that? That you would use to describe how it sounds?
1: Well, you did a good terms. Uh, you did a good job uh, describing it in technical terms. Like uh, I would say, like the way I view post-rock music, it's 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 very layered as a genre i think it's That's also, a good point yeah. it's also very different like you like when you listen to like some post rock songs you can like peel back like if you just removed this layer of um like say like any like a, a part of the of the song like you remove like the the guitar part it would still like it would like the rest of the song would still continue on without it but like sure. like all of it kind of comes together as like this one little nugget of good i don't know like it's, like like it's it's very it's very like amorphous genre, I think it can like, it can change in a
0: way. Yes, very, it can change a lot. And I think that's a really good point about the layering. How if you were to, if you have a post rock song with like six instruments, uh, playing music at the same time, if you were to start stripping some of the instruments away, it wouldn't necessarily, destroy the song it's kind of like they're playing independently of each other almost like they're not reliant on each other
1: yeah a lot of a lot of post rock songs actually do that in the middle of the song they'll start off like with one instrument and they'll gradually build up like in the bell curve like you you coined so the post rock bell curve yeah the the post rock rock bell bell curve curve, they'll create this big crescendo at the right in the middle somewhere then they'll start dropping off to like dropping off or like for most songs it will drop off at the end so Sure.
0: No, that yeah, that's those are all very good points. So I guess to kind of address what you asked before like why is it called post rock? It's essentially people using rock instruments and rock ideas in ways that aren't rock. So it's like yeah. post rock, it's beyond rock. It's above it's not like meta rock, but it's post. It's <laughs> past. It's yeah. past the central idea of what rock is. Yeah. So, I figured we could go into a little bit of history of the genre, and then we can dive into our songs. Um, Mm All The term post-rock is believed to have been coined by the music critic Simon Reynolds in his review of the band Bark Psychosis' album, which is called Hex, which was published in Mojo magazine in 1994. Reynolds explains upon the idea later, in a 1994 issue of The Wire... And he used the term to describe music that uses rock instrumentation for non-rock purposes, using guitars as facilitators of timber and texture rather than riffs and power chords. Post-rock appears to have taken heavy influence from bands such as like The Velvet Underground, uh, David Bowie's 1977 album Low, yep. the British group Public Image Limited, uh, some other bands such as like The Flowers of Romance and This Heat. So those bands kind of started to play around this idea of deconstructing rock while still trying to live in the rock realm. They were really kind of experimenting with what rock can be and pushing it to the limits. So those bands kind of gave birth to what is considered to be the first wave of post-rock which kind of emerged in the early 90s with some proto-post-rock bands such as Slint who is featured on this playlist. Uh, another big proto-first wave post rock band is also Talk Talk, and despite the fact that Slint and Talk Talk have very different sounds, Talk Talk emerges more from like kind of the art rock and new wave realm of things, whereas Slint is more of like a post hardcore punk band. Mm-hmm. They both had a driving influence on the way that post rock progressed through the 1990s. Um, the term post rock was originally used to describe mostly English bands, other first wave post-rock bands such as Stereolab, Lackia, Disco Inferno, Moonshake, Seafield, Bark Psychosis, and Pram. But by 1994, there was a distinct American post-rock movement, which began with bands such as Cul-de-Sac, Tortoise, Labberford, Bowery Electric, Swans, and Stars of the Lid. In fact, the second Tortoise album, which is called Millions Now Living Will Never Die, made the band a post-rock icon and inspired many bands to record music inspired by what is coined the Tortoise sound and I highly debated putting a Tortoise song on this sound on our playlist but I ended up going with Slint so sorry for all the Tortoise fans <laughs> out there if you're listening
1: they're slowly moving away <laughs> at the at the speed of Tortoise speed of Tortoise <laughs>
0: yes
1: which is slightly faster than post-rock yes but <laughs> it's still
0: it's pretty damn slow by the mid to late 90s, a second wave of post-rock began to emerge, especially in the Chicago and Montreal areas, Montreal being one of the most eminent post-rock locales of the second wave, being home to bands such as Godspeed You Black Emperor, Silver Mountain Zion, Fly Pan Am, and the very famous post-rock music label Constellation Records. Um, these groups from Montreal are generally characterized by an aesthetic rooted in uh, music concrete, chamber music, and free jazz. So they definitely have more of like a classical analog feel to them that I feel like they're contemporaries. Such as like uh, Mogwai, Sigur Rós, Set Fire to Flames, Do Say Make Think. Or some other prominent second wave bands that were emerging around the same time. I guess Set Fire to Flames I should have... In with the Montreal because they're actually from Montreal, so strike that. <laughs> um, and then by the early 2000s, the term post rock kind of began to fall out of favor. It became increasingly controversial as more critics were kind of outwardly condemned the use of it. And some bands, whom the term was most frequently assigned to, such as Cul de Sac, Tortoise, and Magway, were actually rejecting the label. As you'll find out, pretty much all 5 of the bands that we will be talking about today at some point have made statements about how they don't want to be called post-rock, which if you listen to Shuffle, we've learned that pretty much every band does not want to be called the genre that they're most associated with. Yeah. Don't label them, man. <laughs> don't label me, man. Yeah. What are we doing?
1: Um I have a question. Um, yes. Like so, uh, I know, like, like, like back in like the mid two thousands, uh, shoegaze. Is that like like shoegaze music? Yeah. Like, is that kind of like an out like a like a, like a spring off of post rock in a way, like or a different twist to it? Because um, like oh, I know like bands like M eighty three is like is it more like a shoegaze kind of band kind of thing. Yeah, I so like
0: shoegaze rose to prominence. I would say in the early to mid nineties with bands such as my bloody valentine sonic youth stuff like that and then i think they were kind of at the same like shoegaze
1: and post rock called- i
0: think were kind of rising to prominence at the same time and then i think bands such as m83 took influence from both of those and kind of started this new sound of shoegaze I would say. That's my opinion, though.
1: Yeah, I, I only know, like, the... like I don't know why I was talking about shoegaze, but, like, I know, like, they called it shoegaze because, like, you know, like when they were doing their, like, on, like, their uh, performances, they'd just be looking down at their shoes. Exactly. So, like, because no, they were I, too, like, nervous.
0: I don't... I think you're very much safe to kind of compare the two. They're, they definitely have a lot of similarities, lots of distortion, long, drawn-out instrumentals, bands who just kind of stare down at their shoes and don't interact with the audience <laughs> and probably yeah. crazy light shows and projections being played upon them and they're just kind of in darkness there's definitely uh many connections bringing those two together okay so you are correct in thinking so I would say not I have no <laughs> I'm not the sayer of right and wrong I agree with you <laughs> is what I'll say alrighty um So, despite this kind of backlash to post-rock, it's still maintained and kept going strong and a third wave of the genre came to be. Bands such as 65 Days of Static, This Will Destroy You, Mono, God is an Astronaut, The Album Leaf, Explosions in the Sky, are still out there, they're still recording music, they're still going strong. Not that some of those second wave bands aren't either, but... There's definitely been a shift in the the sonic nature of what post-rock is. Yeah. And then even just to, like I would say, in these past few years, an even wider experimentation and blending of other genres into post-rock has kind of began to form. Uh, Bands such as Cult of Luna, ISIS, Russian Circles, Pelican began to fuse metal with post-rock, giving birth to post-metal music. Um, bands such as Altar of Plague, Latlos El Galach blended um, post-rock with black metal incorporating elements of the former with the latter but they're still mostly rooted in black metal with post-rock tendencies and then you have bands like Deaf Heaven which I've talked about on this podcast before that have kind of completely synthesized the two genres and given birth to this new genre which goes back to shoegaze which is called black gaze which is black metal post rock and shoegaze all mixed together oh boy and then if you wanna if you're not so much a metal fan but you like emo music you got bands such as the world is a beautiful place and i am no longer afraid to die who have combined this kind of rebirth of emo music with post rock so people are really kind of playing around with what it can be and using it in other facets other than just pure post rock and that's kind of where we are today, so post guess, rock,
1: post rock present day. <laughs> yes, post day rock, one. post present day.
0: Okay. <laughs> post present day rock,
1: post post.
0: All right. Well, unless you have anything you want to add in, or we can hop onto our first track.
1: Let's just go dive in deep, man. Let's just talk balls about deep. it. Yeah, at least four balls deep. All right
0: four balls deep that's the post rock amount of
1: balls
0: (laughs) all right so our first track which is good morning captain by the band slint which is off the 1991 album spiderland and just for your for some history context this was considered like first wave proto post rock so slint is an american rock band from louisville kentucky they only have two albums And though they never recorded another since 1991, they are considered by critics and musicians alike to be a major influence on the post-hardcore math rock and post-rock scene. Their second album, Spiderland, is considered to be one of the landmark records of the 1990s and is actually considered to be amongst one of the greatest albums of all time, depending upon who you're talking to. Uh, Members of Slint began playing music together while they were in middle school and played their first official show together in 1985, and at that time they were called Small Tight Dirty Tufts of Hair. (laughs) (laughs) I think Slint's a better band name. Yeah. Small Tight Dirty Tufts of Hair. (laughs) Uh, The band broke up in 1994 after releasing an untitled EP, and... Though since 2005, they've kind of sporadically reunited for live shows, but have yet to ever release another album. Spiderland, which I said was their second and final studio album, was released on March 27th of 1991. The name Spiderland originated from the lead vocalist and guitarist Brian McMahon's younger brother, who after hearing a recording of the album, described it as spidery sounding. It features dramatically alternating dynamics and vocals ranging from spoken word to shouting. The album contains narrative lyrics that emphasize alienation, and it is characterized by dark, syncopated rhythms, sparse guitar lines, and haunting subject matter. And Although Spiderland was not widely recognized on its initial release, it eventually sold more than 50,000 copies and became a landmark album in the underground music scene after Slint broke up, very Vincent Van Gogh of them. Uh, the record's impact was such that many fans and critics have suggested it the first post-rock album ever, helping to usher in a new wave of bands seeking to move away from the unfettered aggression of hardcore punk, but not its underlying ethics. Uh, the record, the recording sessions for Spireland are reputed to have been difficult for many of the members of the band, and there's. Rumors that it was actually so intense and traumatic that more than one of the band members had to be institutionalized during the recording of the album. I guess, though, I find this to be highly—I'm I'm skeptical of it because they also claim that the album was recorded in four days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's—it's <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine that over the course of four days it was such a traumatic experience that multiple members of the band had to seek psychiatric psychiatric help. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, it kind of kind of smells yeah. like
0: bullshit. Yeah, I definitely
1: agree.
0: <laughs> so this track, "Good Morning Captain," it's the final song on Spiderland, and it tells a story of a captain who lost everything. It's based off a poem by Samuel Samuel Taylor Coleridge. It's actually the longest poem he ever wrote. It's called "The Rime of the Ancient Mariner." Uh, Samuel uh, can't even say his name samuel taylor Coleridge was an english poet literary critic and philosopher who was one of the founders of the romantic movement in england and was a member of the lake poets and the the rhyme of the ancient mariner was written in 19 or sorry 1797 and relates to the experiences of a sailor who has returned from a long sea voyage the mariner stops a man who was on his way to a wedding ceremony, begins to narrate the story of his travels, and the wedding's guest reaction turns from bemusement to impatience to fear to fascination as the story progresses. So that was allegedly the inspiration for this track. And allegedly, this was the song that caused the lead singer, Brian, to check himself into a mental hospital. The ending of the song where he's yelling was supposedly so traumatic for him that he actually vomited after the performance and was dripping with sweat. Allegedly. Hmm. So, John, what did you think of this track?
1: Well, I'd never heard of Slint before this. Um, like, I, well, I was one when this album came out so i was <laughs> yeah. really listening to anything i kind of find it fascinating that post rock kind of grew up with you and me like 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 we aged together like like this yeah. started in like 1991 you said where this mm-hmm. this album came out and then here we are in 2016 um and it's what it is it's kind of matured into like this thing but um uh slit i liked i i like listening to the song like my f- the first time i was like okay like because you didn't explain to me like what like what like like what's the what what was going to be placed here like you said it was going to be like a like a time like, like a, a tra- travel monologue of how post-rock has kind of like gone through the ages and like I got to this one I'm like this is kind of very this is very like I could tell it was very early early post-rock or like very like very punk influenced yes. in a way I liked it yes. like the like the end of it was very very hardcore like when he's just like screaming I miss you I miss you um yeah it's i i was i i did enjoy the song but like it's i i can like you can tell it's very very early kind of post-rock kind of genre or very it can be very borderline punk in my opinion
0: yeah they definitely have more of a foot in like the post hardcore realm of things yeah Like you can see little snippets of post rock in there, but it's definitely very much so rooted in like post hardcore realm of things.
1: Yeah, like 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 with the with the vocals especially, um, like it kind of like like you can kind of tell it's like without the vocals, like I don't think the song would work. No, like definitely not. Like with other post rock songs that feature vocals, it's not very like you could like rip those away and the song would still work in my opinion. Um, but uh, like with this, you kind of re- really rely on the vocals. A, it tells the story of the, the captain, and it just gets darker and darker as the song goes on. And it gets harder and harder. Um, but yeah, it's I, I don't know whole like I, I thought the song was a very good stepping point for the playlist. Like I think you did a good job. Like like saying this is kind of where post rock kind of got its roots or like kind of took its first steps. Like out of like the the music see onto the land
0: sure, yeah. well thank you very much yeah. I did a great job
1: you did oh, <laughs> don't, don't be so hard on yourself man
0: I don't know, I'm just worried I just want to it? do it justice
1: <laughs> you, you, you'll do fine
0: Reddit's gonna have a field day with this <laughs> no I uh I dig this song. The the main kind of groove throughout the whole thing is this really weird mixture of like catchy and jarring at the same time. The yeah. like the bass like the dun 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 it Like it has a jam vibe to it, but there's something very off and kind of uneasy about it. I can't quite yeah. put my finger on it.
1: It has like a little bit of a bite to it, like like yeah. a bu- like it's kind of like like if you like if you like just like if you showed me the song without giving me any, like, context with it, I would not, like, I wouldn't say it was be a post-rock song. I would say it's, I would I would probably put it somewhere else, if you, but if you didn't tell me it was, like, like, this is kind of the start of post-rock, I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of see this now. But yeah, you
0: definitely have to be told to, like, listen for post-rock. I don't yeah. think it would jump out at you otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And
1: the first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, this is kind of different, but I can go with it. Hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And I also really liked how... Um, if you listen to it with headphones on, the attention paid to the vocals. Like, there's only one voice, but he's playing the part of both the captain and the narrator. And any time the captain is speaking, the audio is isolated into either the left or right audio channel. But then oh. when it's the narrator, it's in stereo. So it kind of adds a bit of character to the two. Like, he doesn't change his voice by any means. But anytime the captain speaking it's only either in the left ear or the right ear and I thought that was a nice little subtle touch
1: but yeah I, I guess I did I have to listen to that uh, on with headphones because I just listened to it in my car speaker or uh my computer speakers so
0: yeah I, I I would have missed it too unless I'd listened to it with headphones on so it was very subtle
1: and yeah. Uh, the
0: repetition and subdued nature of most of the song I think makes it even more powerful when like kind of the distorted explosive riffs kick in. Yeah. Like especially at the end when he screams, I miss you. Honestly, the first time I listened to this song, I was so taken aback. Like for some reason I just did not see him kind of screaming coming. Yeah. Like kinda, I was like it
1: comes out of nowhere.
0: Cause he like he's like he's like barely mumbling throughout most of the song. Yeah. Like you have to like strain <laughs> to hear what he's saying. Yeah. And I don't know, the I have to say like him yelling I miss you at the end might be one of like the most like satisfying cathartic releases I've ever heard in a song. The build up to it was just so it just paid off for me. And I I don't know. I would kind of say it's like akin to kinda of like new metal and emo music where there's this yeah. like really gradual build up, but it felt so real and not forced, wherein new metal emo music I think it's kind of forced at times because it's like they're following a pattern where this felt very organic Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so and then lyrically I'm not 100% sure what the song is about like obviously it's about the sea captain who went through some sort of traumatic experience and he's very tortured by it so this is what I can gather I, I read the lyrics through a couple times while listening to it so there's a sea captain He made a bad call that caused his ship and crew to be destroyed at sea by some storm. He's the sole survivor. And then that's kind of, that's the part I'm 100% sure of. Because then the story goes on to describe about how he's standing at the front door of some house. And he's knocking on it and asking someone to let him in. And then it seems to say like maybe a day passes and he like falls asleep standing there because then he it's like a new day and there's like a window right by the front door and supposedly there's this child that's staring out the window at him in like kind of horror like he doesn't recognize this person and then when the guy starts the captain starts talking the child has like this spark of recognition in its eye but then rather than opening the door and letting the sea captain in he slowly closes the the shades of the window and leaves him and then then the captain gets very frantic so Here's my theory. Um, so this captain does this horrible thing. I think that him trying to be led into the house is simply a metaphor. He's trying to forget and forgive himself for the guilt that he feels. And so the house to him is this place of peace of mind. And the child is supposed to represent his like innocence of humanity. And the child looks out the window and I'm horrified because he's like, "Oh, who's this person I don't recognize. And when he hears the voice, the innocence is like, oh shit, that's me. And rather than forgiving him and letting him in, his innocence leaves him. And then that's when he starts to unwind and he starts screaming about how like, I want to turn myself into the police and I miss you. I miss this place of safety. And then it's just very, very dark and tragic. And the, him screaming, I miss you, just adds to kind of the mania that he's feeling. That's kind of what I took away from it at least.
1: Definitely I can like the like I can totally see that um being it. I had never really I didn't really do like a like what this song meant kind of thing. So I just um I I I agree.
0: <laughs> well no I I might just be reading way too much into it too. It might just simply be like they might have meant you just literally take it like this I saw some theories online about how it's like a guy returning home. And I could his see son that. doesn't recognize him from being hardened at sea and just yeah. thinks he's this stranger. And I don't know. I, yeah, I, I kind of like,
1: I think I might like yours better than like, because like when I was listening to it, like, okay, he's back at his house and he wants to, like when he's yelling, I miss you, I miss you, and like he wants to come back home, but he obviously can't. So,
0: yeah. And maybe if I had read the poem that this is based off of, it might. Allude more to what the meaning is, but that's yeah. just my takeaway. I don't know the story. I think it's well told. The music is highly emotional, and while it's not the most post-rock sounding song I've ever heard, I can definitely hear snippets of it in there. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on this track,
1: or well, it was a very uh, well put together song. The ending was like, horrifying in a way, like it horrified <laughs> me in a way. Yes. Um, but in a good way, like the way, like, like, like post rock, in a way, they, in my opinion, tell like, like, post rock has the best way to tell a story, in a way, like, it can be either a silent story, like, as like in a music video, or like with the lyrics and like the song itself. But it's like, it's very, it's, I don't know, I like, I just liked it.
0: No, definitely. I think post rock's intention is to make you feel what they are feeling like that's yeah. their goal they want you they want to affect you they don't want you to just hear a song they want you to walk away with some meaning or an emotion that you didn't have before you started the song
1: yeah definitely i agree
0: all right let's move on to our second track "Magway fear satan by Magway, off of the 1997 album "Magway young team now this would be kind of in the heart of second-wave post-rock music.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mogwai are a Scottish post-rock band who formed in 1995 in Glasgow, Scotland. The band typically composes lengthy guitar-based instrumental pieces that feature dynamic contrast, melodic bass guitar lines, and heavy use of distortion and effects. The name, as you might have guessed it, comes from the 1984 comedy horror film Gremlins, Uh, Referring to the small creatures featured in the movie. Yep. Um, Guitarist Stuart Braithwaite comments that, quote, it has no significant meaning, and we always intended on getting a better one, but like a lot of things, we never got around to it. Hold on, hold on.
1: One second. Mogwai is a great band name, and if they ever change that name, I would be very, very sad.
0: Well... I don't think they're gonna, since they've been running with it strong for twenty years.
1: Yeah. No, no, I I think it's I think
0: it's a great name too, because it's like, it's just obscure enough where for a couple people, like, if you look it up, you can easily find it out. But then there's you know most people probably don't think about oh Mogway, that's the name of the creatures from (laughs) Gremlins. And then there's a few people out there like, oh I fucking know where that came from. (laughs) Yeah. So Mogway in Cantonese literally means evil spirit or devil. So hmm. there is more of a reference to it than just the movie's yeah. gremlins, but they've admitted, yeah, we got it from the movie Gremlins. Uh, the band is highly influenced by bands such as Fugazi, MC5, My Bloody Valentine, Sonic Youth, Pixies the Cure, and of course post-rock pioneer Slint. Douglas Walk of Spin Magazine said this of the band, quote, their compositions have gotten increasingly drawn out and austere over time. Sometimes barely more than a single arpeggiated chord or two evolve for more than 10 minutes, whispering brutal in a way that recalls Slint more than any other band." So they are they're highly inspired by Slint. Um, band member Barry Burns has stated in an interview that he and the rest of the band do not like to categorize themselves as post-rock because he believes it over analyzes everything. I, think. I don't know if that means that that'll force listeners to overanalyze their music or if just post-rock music in general is overanalytical, but that's what they say. Um, they're also famously known for their soundtrack work. They have scored many documentaries and films. Some of the more famous ones, such as like Darren Aronofsky's movie The Fountain. Mm-hmm. They also just teamed up with Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails to score... Leonardo DiCaprio's new documentary, Before the Flood. So, actually, them and like Explosions in the Sky got really into like post rock music, I think lends itself to scoring certain types of film, and they both do it very well. Yeah. They also run their own record label, which is called Rock Action Records. The name was taken from their 2001 album, Rock Action. And that name was actually taken from the band The Stooges. Their drummer, whose name is Scott Ashton, legally changed his name to Rock Action. <laughs> Which it's kind of funny, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where they got the name for that. So this album, Mogwai Young Team, is actually their debut studio album, their first LP they ever released. It was recorded in the summer of 1997. And I found out that when the band started recording in the studio, they actually only had three of the songs finished. So most of it was written during the recording of the album. It has sold more than 30,000 copies in the UK and is listed at number 97 on Pitchfork Media's top 100 albums of the 90s. Now, I'll post a picture of this. Some of... The, uh, on the inside of the album art And actually if you listen to this on Spotify It is the album art It's this weird logo Where it kind of looks like Asian characters But if you look closely It's like the letters M-Y-T Kind of written on top of each other it's That It's called the Magway Young Team logo
1: Oh yeah, okay
0: So I found out that this logo Is based off of Kind of marks used by Scottish gangs They all have... A lot of gangs out there are called something Young Team, like where you're from. Like the people who are from Sighthill, Scotland, are called the Sighthill Young Team. So this is kind of like they're saying Magway Young Team. This is their gang, and this is their gang symbol. So Magway Young Team. I'll post a picture of the the symbol if you want. But that's kind of where the the name came from. And then the album cover for it shows kind of this building with Asian lettering on it, and it just. Translated, it says Fuji Bank. So I don't know why they took a picture of a Japanese bank and called it Magway Young Team, but that's what they did. Uh, other little interesting fact for this release: in the linear notes of the album, they didn't. None of them used their real names. They all came up with pseudonyms for themselves, uh, such as Plasmatron, Captain Meat, Bionic, Demonic. And The Relic.
1: So they all had... I think
0: this is the only album that they use these fake names for. But hmm. I like Captain Meat the best. <laughs> Captain Meat.
1: I like The Relic.
0: Yeah, The Relic was Brendan O'Hare, who was the oldest member of the band. And since he had, he was the oldest and actually had been in other bands before, they called him The Relic because he's the this oldest. The, yeah. Captain Meat, who is John Cummings, took the name because he really likes pork chops.
1: Hmm. That's a good name. Yep.
0: Yep. So this track, Mogwai Fear Satan, is a 16-minute long instrumental using basic rock instrumentation, guitar, bass and drums along with a flute. And while doing some research on this track, I came across a blog where this guy is purporting that Mogwai is a Christian metal band and not a post-rock band.
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I'll read you a quote. I'll I'll post the link to his page, but here here's his argument. When you listen to a song like Magway Fear Satan, you can hear the sense of righteousness and the search for salvation shining through every note. And more than any band I can think of, with the possible exception inevitably of Rush.
1: There's your oh, Rush reference. There's the cherry.
0: The band's best songs sound like they are literally trying to combat the evil forces of the world with the power of rock and roll. Listening to the ascending three-chord riff of Magwe Fear Satan, the chugging, subtly harmonizing bass, and the waves upon waves of crashing drums, all of which are repeated hundreds of times throughout the course of the song, you are filled with the overwhelming sense of belief in God, in love, in whatever the strangest and most wondrous powers of the universe are, in whatever will have you as a believer. For 16 and a half minutes of Mogwai fear Satan, evil simply cannot exist.
1: You know what? I can actually see that. Yeah, like,
0: I I read the title of the blog. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I read it, I'm like, oh, you converted me. I'm a yeah, believer.
1: Like, like, like listening to the song, it's very much like that. Like, it's, it's very, at least at the beginning part, it's very, um, it's very... I would say very temperamentally strong or like like positive yeah uplifting uplifting yeah
0: yeah uh, so yeah what else did you think about this track that's gonna that's the end of my notes on it so
1: well uh, so with Mogwai I have like a big like love for Mogwai like it's one of the few bands I've seen with you live mm-hmm. Um, It's probably the loudest fucking band I've ever seen live. I can probably hear for a good like two to three days after that, (laughs) after that concert.
0: I have seen many concerts and I will go on record stating it is the loudest concert I've ever been to. Yeah. The show ended with just 30 minutes of static noise. They like slammed their guitars (laughs) and just walked off stage and just... (laughs) just. Feedback upon feedback upon feedback. It was so fucking loud. Yeah. Zach Roerig was there
1: too. Yeah, Roerig was there. I think Nick Henry was there as well. Yeah. Um, but like, um, he like they like, like it was fun though because like that was like I was at Seventh Avenue, and that was like probably the most empty I've ever seen Seventh Avenue. Like, like we were just like right up there at the at the stage, and it was very like a it was a very chill concert. And I was like, you would think with you like there'd be some, some like mosh pits, but it was like, everyone was just standing there and just enjoying the song, yep. and the, and like, we the got music.
0: To, and we got to see Bad Cat twice because they messed up. <laughs> yeah,
1: one and a half times. So. Yeah, one and a half Bad Cats. <laughs> it was pretty awesome, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, but with this song, it's like I was uh, talking about the layers kind of thing, and the way I like what I like about Mogwai is like with this song in particular, the layers are very. Uh, apparent like uh, you start the song off like for about 40 seconds then another Im- instrument will be added and they'll go on for a very long time so it's 16 minutes of 20 seconds it's a long song but it's 16 minutes of 20 seconds of just like things getting added and added and added and taken away and then taken away and taken away um but it's 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 very it's i i like like as a I, i've never i haven't really listened to as much as young team as i should um but i definitely want to go back and listen to the whole album again now after listening to this song a bunch. Uh, But it's a very, uh, it's very uplifting. Um, It's, but I would say like Mogwai knows what they're doing with kind of like with the layers and whatnot.
0: Yeah. This is excellent use of layering, I would Mm -hmm. say. And I also, I got to hand it to Mogwai. It's rather impressive how they can create something so powerful and emotional and jovial and intense with such simple music it's literally just three chords repeated over and over again yeah it's even the the flute which i think is a really nice addition <laughs> mimics the same three chords that the guitars and bass are playing it's just dun na na like yeah. that's that's the whole song and then just the drummer is just having like a fucking spaz attack on the drums the whole time
1: (laughs) yeah it starts off with the drums and it gets more and more and more yeah
0: i I mean i just i'm not sure how many people could actually pull off a 16 minute long song with a couple guitars a bass a drum and a fucking flute and have it still be (laughs) listenable let alone good yeah now i will say something that might be maybe unpopular here i think the song might be a tad bit too long could be. from about the the 9 minute mark to the 16 minute mark I think the song drags on a bit it's right after the explosion happens and you know you're coming down and I think it just goes on a little too long and I think Mogwai knows this since when they perform this live they usually do a 10 minute rendition of this song rather yeah. than the 16 minute rendition I'll I'll post a video of them playing it live now I like it like when it for me when it comes to post-rock the longer the better but i think for people who aren't committed to the genre this might be a little off-putting to them yeah but i love it
1: yeah it's 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 what i i love the song um it's probably Oh, it's like with this song and another song. Well, there's two other songs on the list that I really enjoy, um, but uh, this one is definitely up there with like with, uh, with at least in this playlist and also one of my favorite Mogwai songs. Um, but I can see like it does get too long in the tooth a little bit. Like I do, t- I can totally see that. But like again, like with with the genre of post rock, the songs are going to be most likely going to be very long yes. or kind of short. It kind of depends. So. But yeah. most of the time, it's very long. Yeah. Um, but you have to just like like it's kind of like a th- it's more of like a, a thing like you have to like y you have this you don't have to fight it you just have to go with it and just let it let it play out.
0: Give yourself to
1: it. Give yourself to the why.
0: Yeah. And I, the more I think about it, I am in defense of the Christian metal guy cuz this yeah. song does seem to sonically lift you to like heavenly heights. Yeah. And along your ascension, it stops from time to time to let you enjoy the view only to then launch you even faster into the celestial heavens above. Like Yeah. It's a good with post-rock it being so instrumental, it's hard not to kind of visualize in your head while you're listening to it. Oh yeah, like And like I everyone... can definitely see that when I'm
1: listening to this. Yeah, when I listen to post rock, I, I like get like a scene in my head, and it's just an old change based off the music. But it's all drone. Like, it's all driven by the music itself. So yeah, basically, I get what I want out of the song. Like that's why I like post rock. Because there's like everyone's meaning to the songs will be different than yours, or like on rare occasions will be the, the same. With this, I like it's kind of like climbing a mountain. Like this song, like, reminds me of like, climbing a mountain, and, like going up and up and up and up, and getting to the top, and then
0: and then playing the flute.
1: <laughs> playing the flute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Let's move on to our next track. Moving on. Blaze Bailey Finnegan the 3rd or BBF3 by Godspeed You Black Emperor off the 1999 EP Slow Riot for New Zero Canada. Again, this is still kind of in the the bowels of second wave post-rock. Uh, Getting near the end of the second wave, I should say. Godspeed You, Black Emperor, is a Canadian experimental music collective which originated in Montreal, Quebec in 1994. The name is derived from a 1976 Japanese black and white documentary of the same name by director Mitsu Yanagamichi, which follows the exploits of a Japanese biker gang who are known as the Black Emperors there is a strong political component to the band's music which often features vocal samples which express political sentiments such as on this song we're talking about and film loop projections are actually an important aspect of the group's live show so they usually project film on top of themselves while they're playing and as they put it it kind of helps put the whole song into context it's an essential part to listening according to them uh Members of Godspeed Black Emperor have gone on to form a number of side projects, which are all still within the post-rock wheelhouse, such as a Silver Mount Zion, Fly Pan Am, HRSTA, S Marine Set Fire to Flames, Bottle Scup, Flank, and Ken Mike, One Speed Bike, Exhaust, and Molasses. We're all in some ways affiliated with post-rock and based out of Montreal. I found a little interesting story. The band was once misconstrued as being a band of terrorists. (laughs) Uh, They were touring in the United States and stopped at a gas station in Oklahoma during their 2003 tour. And the gas station attendant looked out the window and believed the group of Canadians to be terrorists. She quickly passed a note to another customer who was also getting fuel, telling them to call the police. And when the local police appeared, the group was held until it can be questioned by the FBI. What? Although the police were suspicious of the band's anti-government documents, songs, and some of the photos they had, they found no incriminating evidence. And after some background checks were run, the ensemble was released from custody and continued on its way to the next show in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Found one of the founding members of the band, Ephraim Menach, later spoke to the crowd that evening about what happened to them during their time in Oklahoma and speculated that the uh, origin was a... or that the reason why they got released so quickly was because they were nice white kids from Canada. So, yeah. Terrorists.
1: Fucking terrorists. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this is actually another band i've seen live here i realized if i had set up the playlist right because i was highly considering putting a silver mount zion song on the playlist and a secret rose song on the playlist if i had done those two i would have seen every song on this playlist live or every band on this playlist live hot damn i didn't realize i was such a post-rock junkie so this ep slow right for new zero canada is the first ep released by the band and according to Rate Your Music, which is an online collaborative metadata database of musical and non-musical releases and films, Slow Ride for Zero Canada is ranked the greatest EP of all time. Uh, the front of the album contains, the album art of the album contains some Hebrew characters. Let's translate to Tahuva Bahu, which means formless and empty. The phrase is used in both Genesis one two and Jeremiah, uh, shit,
1: five twenty three
0: or four twenty three. It's in the Bible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the former describes the earth before God separated the light from dark, and the latter describes the earth after the Lord's day. The back, <laughs> the back of the album contains a diagram with instructions on how to make a Molotov cocktail in Italian. Hmm. So. For all the Italian listeners out there, if you wanna learn how to make a Molotov cocktail, just buy a copy of Slow Right for New Zero Canada, and it'll teach you. It'll teach you right good. It teach you good. And another little interesting thing about this EP, if you buy it on vinyl, it's only two songs. One song on side A, it's Moya. On the other side, it's this song, BBF3. They play at different speeds on the record player. The first side has to be played at 45 rotations per minute, and the second side has to be played <laughs> on 33 rotations per minute. Oh, my God. So you, I hope this is kind of building an image for the kind of band that Godspeed is. They are Some might say pretentious. Some might say pretentious. Uh, so this track, BBF3. Uh, the title refers to the vox pop interviewee going by the name of blaze bailey finnegan the third whose eccentric ramblings form the core of this song finnegan recites a poem which he claims to have written himself at the end of the song this poem in fact is not his at all but is actually just the lyrics from the iron maiden song virus
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and the lead singer of iron maiden at the time name was blaze bailey so this guy's calling himself blaze bailey finnegan the third and claims that this poem was his and it's literally just an iron maiden song so yeah and actually this guy blaze bailey finnegan the third not the iron maiden lead singers actually a snippet of his voice is featured on another godspeed you black emperor song called providence which was off of their album f sharp a sharp infinity Uh, the interviewer is basically talking to this guy and the guy's talking about how much he hates the American government, a speeding ticket he got, the amount of weapons he owns. And then he recites this poem, which he stole from Iron Maiden. And <laughs> they play music over the top of it. What did you think of this track? this this <laughs> this song, um yeah, I, I don't even know where to really begin with this
1: track. <laughs> i this this song it would I don't know, like it's it's very, very disjointed. like halfway through the song, it changes. Yes. Like, like that. That startled me because, like, it's like, whoa. Okay. So it's kind of changing it up. And then it goes back to this guy again. Like this song, I think I would like the song better if the the guy, like the the um uh, blaze blaze was blaze gone. bailey blaze bailey the third, uh, would be was just removed from the song enti- entirely, in a way. I, but again, I think you kind of have to have him in order to have the song. Yes. Because it's very it's like. Apart from the vocals, it's very, very long. It's the longest song on the playlist, but it's it's. And I don't it's know, actually
0: it's, a shorter song for Godspeed.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's based on what you like told me though about about the band. I can see them like doing this, but it's. I I'm gonna say it's out of the. I have not really listened to Godspeed You Black Emperor that often, that or that much. Only when I'm like probably like hanging out with you really. Uh, but like it really, it's not. It's this song. I don't know. I must have listened to it after work for the first time, and I was just like, okay, this guy needs to shut up. <laughs> so, <laughs> this this guy. Like I can understand him, but I was like, he was just like he was just he rubbed me the wrong way, and I was like, whatever, dude. Just tell your story, and I can respect the song, but I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I I think um, of these five bands godspeed is probably like the most controversial in that you'll have people who are huge fans and people are like god those pretentious assholes like they're very divisive yeah. i would say they divide a room very just, much so
1: just based on that song i'm in the pretentious asshole camp um yeah, but and that's it's,
0: fair because i think they bring that upon themselves
1: yeah like if i listen to more godspeed uh, which i plan to um because i, I kind of want to listen to more and more post-rock now uh, but like like this, based on this song that I've listened to, I had to listen to it about like six times. I'm like, fuck it. I <laughs> but but will yeah. say,
0: this track usually they do like like to include include field recordings and vocal samples, but they're usually not this indulgent with it. It's usually more of like a little brief thing. Like it's it's not common for the entire song to be focused around one sort of dialogue that's yeah. unusual for this band and they're usually m- way more just straight up instrumental I would highly recommend starting with lift your uh, skinny fist like antennas into heaven that's kind of their, the pinnacle of their that's everyone's favorite album by them mm. I didn't include a song off of that just because I felt like it was a little too obvious so I wanted to do something a little more obscure and um, I don't really know how they did it, but I think Godspeed made an incredibly emotional and touching song about the ramblings of a paranoid crazy guy. Oh well, yeah. Uh, they somehow crafted music around his words and gave it an intense meaning that I don't think was actually there. I think he's just full of shit. Like you said, that he needs to shut up. Yeah. But the music in tandem with him talking, I don't know... It, I guess it makes you feel a little bit more. And I think it could be for the good or bad of the song. Like if you're kind of digging it, it'll lift you to liking it more. But if you're not digging it, it's just going to make you like hate it more. Cause it's trying to find meaning in this, like these crazy words, this guy saying, yeah. so I can definitely see like how that someone could take that away from it.
1: I think, I think the reason why I disliked it so much was because I listened to it after work. And sure. like with my job, I, talk to a bunch of bullshitters like constantly so it's like like this guy just reminded me of like like this is like it's of work and i didn't want to think of work while i was into this and then so it's just it was just weird um but like i can see like on a hold you can't take like based on the song you can't take that off the song because it would not work without it. Mm-hmm. Um But I like that change that it's like, that somehow dramatic, like, like that sound like it suddenly switched on me, like during that, that post-rock like that I've never really had that happen before in a post-rock experience. Sure. Like, so I'm like, whoa, okay. So it like, kind of like also disjointed, uh, disjoint just uh, that kind of jolted me, I suppose.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah. I will say one thing that Godspeed does is they like, write their songs kind of like traditional classic pieces where there's like movements within a song so like while the song might be 20 minutes long there's actually like seven songs within it and there are abrupt jarring transitions in there because they're moving from one piece to the other but it's all contained within one central idea so they are they are a little bit like whereas when Magway writes a 16 minute song it's one song that's 16 minutes long whereas when Godspeed does it it's like five songs that are smashed into one song yeah
1: yeah like I can I can definitely see that now but it's one of them was just like one of the transitions was so abrupt I was like whoa okay that's like when I first listened to it in the car I was like whoa that's different and so (laughs) yeah um it was like it's based on that it's Godspeed was not my cup of tea but like I can see where like 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 you can see the other influences it has in like the later on like the like the, the current post-rock scene mm-hmm. current, going on um and you can definitely can't say it's not a it's not a bad song i just don't like it
0: sure no, no I, 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 I didn't totally like the part though
1: that. i did like the part where they come, they come back to the guy and he's like yeah i have like a bunch of ak-47s and stuff all locked up and like yeah okay i really just, like that
0: part too because like that's like when that like kind of fleeting piano music comes in, and it sounds yeah. kind of like really sad almost while he's talking about all the shotguns and assault rifles he owns. It's kind yeah. of really disturbing in a way. Yeah. And sad. I don't know. The one thing I got to hand to Godspeed is, I guess I'm biased because I really like Godspeed, and I but I can totally understand how they're not for everyone. But I think no matter what, you have to respect how well crafted their songs are like it might not sound the best to you but you can tell the amount of time and care they put into every little sound in it like all the highs and lows and the fleeting piano and wind bringing crescendos and i don't know i don't know enough about music to tell you why but just the sound of their guitars fills you with this intense kind of sadness and anger that but it's it's not like these like they're not highly technically proficient musicians they're pretty simple melodies but just the way that they layer it and put it all together it's just very I guess emotional for me and one thing I also really liked is at the very end of the song kind of like after the big last explosion there's this small piece where it's all just stringed instruments and it reprises the melody that was featured earlier in the song but it's just strings and it almost feels like it's like lamenting something. I'm not sure what it's lamenting but there's kind of this great sense of loss that I felt from the music. I don't know. I Like I said, they can come off as a bit much. They They are kind of indulgent and made me a little too rich for some people but I, I dig them and I think it's easy in post-rock for people to go for cheap thrills you know, playing emotional quiet music and then yeah. slapping the listener with a big boom at the end <laughs> and I guess I feel like with Godspeed at least everything feels earned in a way like you felt like you've been on a journey even if it was a journey you hated I suppose So, but you know the shit the guy's saying is a load of bullshit. And, yeah. But the thing I will say about him is it doesn't feel fake. He comes off as very genuine. Like, I believe he honestly believes all that. Yeah. I believe he actually thinks he wrote that poem. <laughs> I believe he honestly thinks America is as horrible as it is. And I think the earnestness that he projects matches the earnestness that Godspeed puts off so like they both might be extremely pompous and pretentious but they both truly believe that they're being themselves at the end of the day
1: yeah definitely like also another thing I just thought of like I think I don't like this song as much because I can't really just like put my own spin on it Sure. Like I can't, like, I can't like, like like zone it out because like, like like this like out of like the other four songs out, out out of all the five songs of the of the playlist, this song ha- probably has the most lyrics. Maybe not so much as the uh, Hello My Captain or the Slint song. Or Good yeah. Morning Captain, uh, but this, this this sort of like, like was at least with Good Morning Captain it was like a, a poem. This is just like, like like I don't know. It's just like this. It's guy It's the talking. ramblings of a crazy guy. <laughs> ramblings of a crazy guy, and you have to like you have to they uh, have to acknowledge it's there, but like it's kind of hard for me to like, to tune it out. I guess it's that's that's me being weird. No,
0: because with the Slint song, the lyrics were intentionally placed there to go along with the music. Where this. They're kind of juxtaposed and you either need to accept them being brought to you together or you need to reject it. And you know, Mm -hmm. like it's divisive. You're going to go down one path or the other. And I think they know that that's kind of their shtick. Yeah. So yeah, I guess unless you got anything else, we can move on to our next track.
1: I've got nothing else to say.
0: All right. Let's move on to so long lonesome by explosions in the sky off the 2007 album. All of a sudden I miss everyone. And I placed Explosions on this playlist to kind of represent the transition from the second wave into the third wave. They got their start kind of at the back end of the second wave leg and have kind of ruled and dominated the third wave of post-rock. Explosions in the Sky is an American post-rock band from Austin, Texas. The quartet originally played under the name Breaker Morant, but then changed their name to Explosions in the Sky in 1999. The name came from a comment that drummer Chris Harsky made in reference to the noise or sight of fireworks in the sky. It's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Explosions in the Sky, fireworks. Um, The band has garnered popularity beyond the post-rock scene though for their elaborately developed guitar work and narratively styled instrumental music which they refer to as cathartic mini symphonies and also their enthusiastic and emotional live shows Uh, the band also garnered a small amount of media attention with the release of their second album those who tell the truth shall die those who tell the truth shall live forever Due to rumors linking the band to the September 11th, 2001 attacks. What? (laughs) Yes. uh, So, this album, Those Who Tell the Truth Shall Die, Those Who Tell the Truth Shall Live Forever, the album art of the album shows kind of an airplane in the sky with some fiery-looking colors in the background, and then the words, This plane will crash tomorrow, is written on the album. And then it came out, around the time that the September 11th attacks happened. Now, there were false reports that there was a track on the album called This Plane Will Crash Tomorrow, which is not true. And there was also rumors that it came out on September 10th, like the day before the attacks. That's not true. No, it's not. It actually came out a week before the attacks, and the band you know, started working on this album more than a year prior to any of this happening. But... There was enough kind of media shitstorm surrounding it that their bassist was detained in an airport uh, as a threat to national security because when he was going through security, they saw his guitar and the words, this plane will crash tomorrow were written on it. And they thought that he was going to be part of an... Yeah. It's since... what an idiot. Yeah. That that kind of was a (laughs) dumb idea on his part. Right after... Yeah. But... (laughs) <laughs> it's I, I don't think people truly believe they're terrorist anymore, but it's funny how we have two post-rock bands that have been linked to terrorist attacks now.
1: Well, I guess yeah. you just look you make post-rock and you just wanna fuck shit up. Slowly. Yeah. Really slow. But it'll be in a big explosion in the middle in and the everything sky. will settle down.
0: <laughs> and the ash will settle. Yes. <laughs> So let's talk about this album, All of a Sudden, I Miss Everyone, which is their fifth studio album. The album title is perhaps a reference to one of two things. Some people believe that is reference to a line of dialogue spoken by the character Mabel Longhetti in the 1974 postmodern drama A Woman Under the Influence. There's a scene in the movie where after she sees her children being taken off to school by her grandmother, she says to herself, all of a sudden I miss everyone. I don't know why. And some people believe that the title is a reference to the famous book The Catcher and the Rye. In the last chapter, the the narrator says to himself, all I know it is, I sort of miss everyone I told about, which doesn't grammatically make sense at all and I have No idea what that's supposed to mean. I've never read The Catcher in the Rye. But yeah, they've never come out and stated what it is a reference to, so this is just fan speculation. Uh, The album debuted on the Billboard 200 at number 27, selling 11,000 copies in its first week. And the final song on the album, which is the one we're going to be talking about, So Long Lonesome, was actually remixed by another post-rock musician named Alluvium, who, in an Alluvium song, previously appeared on another Shuffle track. So, Connections.
1: Connections within yeah. Connections.
0: Yep, yeah. and this is another band that I've seen live, actually. Both Explosions in the Sky and Godspeed opened up for Nine Inch Nails during their 2013 Tension tour. Oh, and so.
1: then you just brought up Nine Inch Nails, the episode's done. Yep. Episode's done. We we, Uh, we completed it. Finally got to it.
0: We have to stop once I can bring up. Well, I actually (laughs) brought up Trent Reznor during the Mogway section.
1: I suppose. Oh, fuck. I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah. We should have ended this a long time ago.
1: I'm sorry, listeners. You could oh, not free a long time yeah, ago. <laughs> those
0: poor, poor people just but, listening to us blather but, on.
1: But they're probably still listening to the music, so.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> they're probably just hitting, like, the last song right now. Probably. So, John, what did you think of So Long Lonesome?
1: I really loved the song. Um, this song reminded me a lot of my, like, other favorite post-rock um, artists, like um, the Album Leaf. Um, uh, whoops other like well album leaf sigaro's like i like kind of like labeled this like at least this song in particular i've i haven't i haven't really listened to explosions in the sky before this but i kind of like labeled this song as like a kind of a naturey post-rock kind of thing like like how i view like album leaf and sigaro's is like i get like feelings of nature or like something like like, i like listening to this song on rainy days or gloomy days or like like those bands in gloomy days this would probably be a fit i could also see this song being like on, my, on like a sleepy playlist, like a Time for Sleep. Yeah. I don't know. It's very, it's like out of the, all the other ones, this is probably the most calm and it's the most serene kind of uh, post-rock you could probably get off the playlist itself.
0: Yeah, it's funny you should mention Sigur and the Album Leaf because those were the other two bands I was considering to put in this spot on this playlist. Like those were the three bands I was going between to mm-hmm. kind of, I, I put this track on here for two reasons. One... Obviously explosions in the sky is a force to be reckoned with in the post-rock world. It would yeah. be insane not to include them. And two, I wanted to show that, you know, you don't have to have exploding crescendos to make a post-rock song. And oh. you definitely don't need to take up 20 minutes to accomplish that goal. Yeah, this and is
1: th- definitely the shortest song on the playlist. <laughs> yeah.
0: And three, I will not I will admit that I don't want to take credit for this. Maddie suggested I put this track on here, and she kind of pushed me to do it, and the more I thought about it, I was like, she's right. So I don't want to take credit for it. Maddie's idea was to put
1: this, so yes. Maddie is the best. She should become the new host. Yeah. What am I doing here? I'm a fucking (laughs) clown. (laughs) No, I... I...
0: Should I just hand the reins over?
1: Yeah, just go back. Just create a podcast where you talk about ICP and Shkreli and Kanye. You got that covered. Just have Maddie do the
0: the music. Yeah, She can talk about the serious stuff, and I can talk about all the jackass stuff. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But no, I believe believe this song exemplifies everything post-rock can be without having to beat you over the head with the cliche of the bell curve, as we've been talking about. Yeah and like the Mogwai song we picked is loud but Mogwai can also be very nice and calm and soothing just like this too. So yeah. it's the band's not every song has to be like that. They had, there's a dynamic range to what post rock can be.
1: Yeah, like uh, I'm I, like this song reminded me a lot of the Album Leaf I uh, m- mentioned before and like I think they kind of draw like a lot of inspiration from each other. Like the Album Leaf is just so staying quiet and serene but it's like also very post-rocky and like there's no there's no belt curves to like either of these like at least this song um like it's like hmm, i don't know it's kind of uh, this song kind of exemplifies that uh, there's no need for like post-rock can be quiet it doesn't yes. have to be drowning it can be very it can be very beautiful uh, it can make you like feel something that doesn't like it makes you feel and like the artwork on the album cover is like just just perfect in my opinion it's It's gorgeous it's very gorgeous guy in a boat looking with a uh, lantern yeah
0: yeah i think it really adds to kind of the imagery that this song kind of brings into your head and, you know, there, there's still kind of a, a pulse and an energy to this track. There's a slight build of drums, yeah. but it's the beauty and splendor that shine in this song. Like the the meandering guitar and the dancing piano notes combine to create this kind of uplifting bliss, especially like around like the 3-minute 40 mark of the song. And, uh, you know... I think post-rock artists similar to kind of great classical composers can show you how they can like reach into the abstract and throw a handful of feels right in your face, right in your goddamn face. Yeah. Like, you are along for a ride on the feels train with this song. Like, I don't care what emotion <laughs> you had going into this song, you're going to feel what we want you to feel when you listen to this. For three yeah. minutes and 40 seconds
1: you're a bitch
0: you're a bitch exactly (laughs) (laughs) and you know it's it is there's a loudness to it but it's also very quiet and there's a bigness to it but it's also very small and it's very empowering but it also like gives you that stargazing insignificant in the universe feeling at the same time and I think Explosion does a really good job of kind of marking the shift between the second wave of post-rock into the third this is around the time when the genre stopped being so experimental and began to refine itself into something more pure Mm -hmm. you know mogway and godspeed and bands like that were i think really experimenting and pushing the boundaries of what post-rock is an explosion kind of marks this transition whether like deconstructing it down into its most essential pieces and you just get like these like little perfectly put together pieces of Mm post-rock you would never describe this song or the next one I think as like gratuitous or indulgent you know they're lean they're mean they get the job done in and out you know Mm -hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on this or I can oh. just transition right into the next song because I'm already talking about it. But I I, s- not to not to limit you if you got more stuff to say say more. Stuff.
1: I got nothing else to say about explosions in the sky except for it's probably well I'm definitely more interested in listening to more explosions in the sky uh, from now so on. It's beautiful. It's pretty. I love it. It's like a little baby. It's like
0: a little baby. A little, that, little
1: baby with little cheeks. And
0: it's made out of
1: pure light. Pure light, and then it'll explode. Yep in the sky and the sky.
0: All right, let's move on to our last track, a three-legged workhorse by this will destroy you from their eponymous first album, this will destroy you, which came out in 2008. And this is pure third wave ass post-rock. Uh, this will destroy you is an American post-rock band from San Marcos, Texas. They formed in 2004. And they typically compose lengthy atmospheric instrumental pieces Featuring layers of effect-laden guitar with a heavy usage of dynamics. The band's compositions compositions typically feature a wide dynamic range with slow build-ups to wall-of-noise crescendos. Mm -hmm. And like pretty much every other band on this playlist, they do not like being referred to as post-rock. Ex-member of the band Donovan Jones has been quoted saying, Fuck post-rock and fuck being called (laughs) post-rock. Guitarist Jeremy Glenito said, It can be aggravating. I think after this new album comes out, and I think he's talking about their album Tunnel Blanket, which came out in 2011, he says, I think after this new album comes out, a lot of that is going to stop because this next album is definitely going to be sounding more like the stuff we do listen to. And the band has described their sound as being darker and heavier than post-rock, referring to it as doom gaze, which is (laughs) a mixture of doom metal and shoegaze. And I think that is true of the Tunnel Blanket album, but I think this self-titled album and their first album, Young Mountain, are just straight up fucking post-rock, I would say. Yeah. The band's name originated from a song title that they wrote a song they were going to call This Will Destroy You, but then they rejected it for being too pretentious. And now the band says they find it just hilarious. (laughs) Uh, when asked whether they wish the band had chosen a different name guitarist Chris King said it's supposed to be a little obnoxious there's something about people automatically hating you before you play that's kind of endearing it gets to the point where it's over the top obnoxious it's an attention grabber and people will check it out even if they hate it personally I think the name of their band perfectly describes the sound they make yeah. This, this song is going to destroy you with its intensity and the emotions and just everything about their aesthetic. It's going to destroy you. Originally, when the band first started out, it featured that, their lead guitarist, Jeremy Glen- Glenito on vocals. And they, at that time, compared their song, their sound to be more akin to Radiohead. But after they recorded some tracks and decided, decided that the results were awful they decided to just write instrumental music instead because they enjoyed the instrumental pieces they wrote a lot more than the ones with vocals. So this album is their first official LP. They did put out Young Mountain before that but that was their first EP. And the vinyl version of this album is pressed on red, white, and blue vinyl. And it contains a quote from the television series Deadwood etched around the center label. It says, I may have fucked my life up flatter than hammered shit, but I stand before you today beholden to no human cocksucker. (laughs) Yeah. So I couldn't really find out any little facts about a three-legged workhorse. So what do you think about a three-legged workhorse?
1: All right, well out of all of the five songs on this playlist This is the one I've listened to the most out of all of them. Uh, I love this song. This thick It's it's so slow and it's so like depressing in a way like at the beginning and then you get to like 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 the title of three-legged workhorse. It totally brings that to my mind Like when I listen to this song, I just see like this poor horse with three legs having to like like pull a plow through like this like muddy ass field and it's like struggling and like at the end of it just fucking dies and it's just <laughs> all it's just like this is a very like to me this is a very dark song but it's also very uplifting in a way yes. in a weird way like um when i was younger and um like i had to like shovel snow uh at uh at a at a kennel i would like i could listen to music and i would just play like this is like when this, when this first came out i listened to it when it first came out and i was like This is like, this is snow shoveling at a kennel on a snowy fucking day. It's like, it's a, it's a meaningless task that just can't be stopped. And it's just like, it it felt like so, like, it felt so enlifting to me in a weird way. Where like, I didn't really care that I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think this song in particular just really just like bites in like, like, like human condition in a way.
0: Or you like, were the three-legged workhorse
1: Yeah I was the three-legged workhorse And I was like, like doing this like breaking my back And like it was like it was it's very Like I just fucking love this song <laughs> Um yeah
0: Yeah this song I think is like the perfect example It's the perfect example Of what 20 years of post-rock Practice can make yeah. Like it all lit up to this point. This is a finely crafted post-rock song, and it's lean as fuck. There's no fat on this thing. There's nothing gratuitous or excessive about this track. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like cookie-cutter post-rock either. I'm looking at you, God is as an astronaut. You sons of bitches. <laughs> I like their music, but fuck, it's just so like A plus B equals C. There's yeah. still there's still a lot of intention and meaning in this this will destroy you track and you can feel it yeah every every explosion in the track gives you shivers and the one thing I really like about this will destroy you is that they're not afraid to play around with electronics in their music sometimes I feel like post-rock can get a bit formulaic you know guitars plus drums maybe some strings equals post-rock And they definitely, I like the use of, like, there's a bit of a drum machine in there with the beat, and there's some Mm -hmm. kind of glitchy noises, and I think it really adds to the music. And, you know, not that This Will Destroy You is my favorite post-rock group, but they definitely feel like the pinnacle of what post-rock was aiming for. Yeah. I kind of, I thought, like, um... If you go back to philosophy, Plato spoke about his realm of ideas. If he was right and there was a realm of ideas, I think when This Will Destroy You came along, they finally pulled the entire idea of post-rock out of the ether after yanking on it for 20 years. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, it's not my favorite, but I definitely would say, like, if you're trying to get someone into post-rock who's never listened to it before, this would be a great song to start them off with, I think.
1: Mm-hmm like this like the this the emotional power of this song always like always get, it's, get, it gets me every fucking time I listen to that goddamn song so it's, it's it destroys you it destroys you like this song literally destroys me every time like listen to it. but like like other works that they have done like, like this song is probably like like the probably the one I listen to the most but I also really like the 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 Mighty Rio Grande um also like also on the That's same a great track. album but like, like, like this will destroy you like really puts in my mind at least just like the like with this song like the futility of being in a way it's like everything is going to continue on without you and you'll just I, I don't know why i'm going so dark with this but this song no just it's makes it, me, it like, is, really there's
0: there's definitely an existential experience i believe yeah. you you get when you listen to it
1: yeah, it's I don't know. It makes you feel small, but it also makes you feel very like in a strange way very strong, in a way like like when that when when the crescendo when the, when the, when the bell curve hits the hits the hits the, the peak climax when the climax you the, you start getting like like okay let's do this but then like the way I view the song is like at the bell curve at the climax this is when the horse dies and everything just falls apart behind it it's like I don't know I'm just very I'm just <laughs> I'm just very dark with the song all of a no. sudden. I think
0: that, yeah, because it's like, in the end, the horse led this horrible life and it dies. Yeah. But you have to admire that it kept going while it still did.
1: Yeah, like... You know,
0: so it is It is kind of a bleak, nihilistic song, but there is like this little bit of like, you did good, horse. You, you did, did good. good.
1: Like, the horse did its job, and like, even though it had three legs, like, it fucking still worked. I don't know. It's, it's... <laughs> It's strangely just depressing, yet very uplifting to me. I don't know why, but like that's just my thoughts. Dynamic. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just repeating myself over and over again. Hmm. So,
0: I agree. So, what's your favorite of the five? Uh, if you had, if you no, not if you have to. If have I'm forcing to you to pick,
1: what is your favorite of the five? You son of a bitch. <laughs> I would say my favorite of the five. Has to be the one that's the most refined, and the one that I relate most to post rock would be a three-legged workhorse. So long, lonesome is a very second, like a very close second. Um, But like, like I just love like the album leaf. Like it reminds me a lot of the album leaf and cigarros. But like, three-legged workhorse just kicks you right in the dick, and you have to keep going. (laughs) The dick kicker. Dick kicker. Well, or the boo punch speed. (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> I would say this wouldn't be an episode of Shuffle featuring Jared and John if I didn't pick the one you hated the most as my favorite.
1: <laughs> it always happens.
0: I'm going to have to go with Godspeed. You know, I'm I'm a bit pretentious. I like really over the top hit hate-you-in-the-face shit like that. And I also should say, like, you've been listening to the Three-Legged Workhorse forever. Like, I've been listening to that ebf 3 song for, like, like I've heard that song so many fucking times. So it's, like, ingrained into my head. I think, like, if I had to pick a song based off of, like, not nostalgia, I'd probably have to go with a three-legged workhorse. But, like, I've just, like, put so much of my own... Meaning and emotions into that song, where I just feel too attached to it not to pick it. So I know I'm being biased and probably unfair by picking that, but that's my pick.
1: well oh, it's, it's your pick. I would yeah. say the 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 song that's gonna get me to listen to more of the um of the artist that was on the song is gonna be so long, lonesome from Explosions in, Explosions in the Sky. Yeah, sure. I'm definitely gonna just download the entire freaking discography now. Yeah, so. I always
0: I always mean to listen to them more. Like I I do listen to them, but they're probably I mean, other than Slint, my least listened to of these bands, so yeah, I definitely need to check them out more too.
1: Yeah, like I would say, uh, Mogwai and This Will Destroy You were probably my most listened to out of artists, but um, like Explosions in the Sky, I have never even touched before today, and uh, Godspeed, I've I've heard for you, but I've never really gone out of my way to do it. But again, that that guy just kind of just annoyed me so yeah i don't know it's it's always whenever i'm on it's always gonna be that's gonna be different it's it's the rule it's the rule
0: so yeah if people are interested in checking out more post-rock you know check out any of the bands that we've spoken about i'll also i don't know if anyone's ever seen them like a while ago i posted one for the band swans where people on slash moo on 4chan and on reddit will make these kind of flow charts as to like how (laughs) to get into this music so i found three pretty good ones that'll like give you a good starting point and then if they're basically these flow charts that said start with this album if you liked this aspect of it move to this one or if you like this aspect of it move to this one so yeah. if you go on our website www.jrdsctt.com shuffle and click on the page for this episode I will post those flow charts so you guys can go and experience your own post rock based on your own tastes
1: just go with the flow man
0: Yeah. alright John plug your shit
1: well, you can find more of me on the, a podcast called The Game Cave Podcast. The Game Cave. Jared's sometimes on that as well. Uh, we talk about video games and video game-related news and all their stuff. It gets kind of wacky. Uh, we have a robot that, like, that likes to play League of Legends and uh, loves dragons, uh, but he doesn't come up that much anymore. Uh, but you can find that on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Game Cave Podcast On Twitter with the handle at TGC underscore podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Miwa, M I W W A H. You can also find us on Tumblr at Tumblr, uh, www.tumblr.com. No, no, www.thegamecavepodcast.tumblr.com. I hate Tumblr. What do I still have? I should get a. I, should, I need to just make a website. It takes a, a while, but
0: it is pretty. F- I, I like it. It's yeah, it nice makes having a website
1: makes plugs a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, but you can also find us uh, uh, find it on SoundCloud uh, at the Game Cave Podcast on, on SoundCloud. Just look it up. It's yeah. there. And
0: I will, if you check out the description for this episode, I will post links to all of that shit on there. Oh, so you guys shit. can just click on it. Yeah. Now you, as well as on that awesome website that I was just telling you about, can find Shuffle on Facebook at facebook.com slash shuffle. On Tumblr, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com you can find us on twitter at shuffle podcast if you want to send us an email shufflecastpod at gmail.com also if you like buying stuff off amazon and you go to my website for this podcast at the top there'll be a little amazon link you can click on it and then you just do your shopping as normal and then in everything you buy amazon will give us a little kickback for helping support them doesn't affect your prices at all you just do shopping as normal but just make sure you go through the portal at jaredscott.com slash shuffle yeah so uh, that'll wrap up our first episode in forever and it was a great one and thanks for being on here john you're the best no
1: problem i'm always here always oh. just waiting for that call like hey you want to be on shuffle like sure i'm here let's 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 argue about music a little bit but this let's one we didn't it. really we didn't really argue.
0: We can, we can go back and edit in us fighting a bit. We
1: could just to spice things up. We could like I could totally bring up the election or something like that and just get <laughs> Yeah, get let's really just make salty this, in here.
0: Let's just make it about that. We just <laughs> we say it's the post rock episode and then it's just us like screaming at each other about <laughs> politics the whole time.
1: The DNC fucked everything mm. up. <laughs> so, anyway.
0: Rent is too damn
1: high. Rent is too damn. I missed that meme. <sighs> He's still out there somewhere. Somewhere. No, he's kind of been replaced by Vermin Supreme. Yeah, so. Vermin Supreme's
0: kind of taken up that mantle. The memes.
1: Yeah, the dank, the dank political may
0: The meme party. May-may. The meme anyway. party.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody, for
0: listening. I swear that we'll start putting on episodes more frequently again, and I hope everyone has a good week. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs>